yo, yo, what is going on? Welcome back to the WWE on Fox Raw Roundup. I'm your host, Ryan Satin. We are so close to WrestleMania. I can feel the pressure. There's so many things to finish planning. It's in my backyard, and I unfortunately had weeks of not working for personal issues and now having to play catch-up, but we're booking things, we're handling things, 100th episodes around the corner, but don't forget, there's episode 99 first this coming Wednesday, but then, of course, episode 100 next week. I am so freaking excited. I know I mentioned that I didn't have them booked already on one of these Raw Roundups, and my producer, who has to listen to these before we post them, was very nervous after I said that, but we're good to go now. It looks like everything is going to be on track, so I'm very excited for that. I'm very excited for WrestleMania in Los Angeles. This week's Raw, of course, heavily focused on that show. We got Cody. Uh, we got a Brock Lesnar face-to-face with Amos. We've got a lot to talk about when it comes to this week's Monday Night Raw, which began with Edge calling out Finn Balor as planned. Edge told Finn he wants to end this and accepted Finn Balor's WrestleMania challenge. Edge said that he's been wasting his time with Judgment Day for the last year. And before that, he was wrestling in front of TV screens, so he's got to finish this and get back to his original return mission. There's only one way this can end, though, and that's at WrestleMania inside of a Hell in a Cell. Finn says he's been to Hell before, and Hell spit him out because they couldn't handle his demons. Judgment Judgment Day then make their way to the ring for a fight, but Johnny Gargano, Dexter Loomis, and Candice LeRae make the save. And we get the setup for a match, which takes place after the break. But let's let's not get to that break spot quite yet. Let's first talk about just the Hell in a Cell announcement as it is. Uh, this was great. That's how you sell a Hell in a Cell match. The final resolution to a long, bitter feud. Not just circumstance of a pay-per-view name. I think that Finn Balor and Edge will have a fantastic Hell in a Cell match. And to me, you know, if you're trying to finally end this, Hell in a Cell is supposed to be the end all be all. That's the finish. That's the end. There's no continuing after that. At least that's how it used to be before it became a before it became uh its own pay-per-view name for a while. Before that, it was the end of a bitter, long feud, and that's finally what we're getting here. And hopefully this is the end of Edge versus Judgment Day. Let's end it with a Hell in a Cell match at WrestleMania. Because like Edge said here, you know, it really is wild that, you know, Edge has been back for so long now. And still hasn't won a world title. I mean, he came back, he wanted to like, quote-unquote, retire on his terms, right? Uh, but I think in that time, we got to see one Edge world title reign. And unfortunately for Edge, he came back at a time when Roman Reigns was just an absolute monster and he was not letting go of the title. Uh, and, and, and since then, you know, the titles have been merged and 
and he's Edge has been doing all this thing with Judgment Day, but I have a feeling that not long after WrestleMania, they're gonna have to split up the titles again and have two title, one title, one world title on each show. Um, and I think that does make it more possible for Edge to finally get that world title again because it needs to happen. It just, it really does. It needs to happen before he retires. And like he said, man, like you know, he's he's getting up there in age, and he is he's think he's clearly you know he's talking about retirement so much. It's clearly something that's on his mind. Um, and I think that you have to just. He has been in this Judgment Day feud for a long time, but I think that. When you look at what he has been doing that whole time, you know, the initial purpose of Judgment Day, it seemed, was not just for him to turn heel, but it was to bring other people up with him. And like he said during this promo, ultimately him feuding against the Judgment Day um, and the the pairing of you know, Finn being added to the group in his place um, has ultimately benefited all those people, um, you know, Finn Balor has gotten to be his, you know, gotten to bring that heel side out of him more that he didn't get to do the first time when he was on the main roster and he was the smiley baby face. He didn't really get to have that edge. He's been able to have that edge again. Um, no pun intended. Uh, Damian Priest has been able to kind of like not, he, he was slipping back into the goth thing, but now he's really the best version of himself again. You know, he's got a goth vibe, but he's really just a party guy who's cocky. And it's been able to shine in, in this last year and make him feel like uh, he's he's not like, you know, Bad Bunny's friend or Edge's lackey. He's his own thing, and he has a bright future in WWE. And of course, you know, Dominic joining the group. Uh, was you know was laughed at at first, but even him joining the group, he's been able to come into his own a little more. And whether you whatever you think about his in ring prowess, uh, you can't deny the fact that this guy has just massive heat. The audience just just loves to boo this guy. The guy just massive heat, and it has helped him uh, become his own wrestler. Uh, to, you know, in the past, you know, however long it's been since he's been part of the group. And lastly, of course, Rhea Ripley just wins the Royal Rumble. Uh, she's going to beat Charlotte Flair. She's going to be the new women's champion. So it has helped all of them, but I do think that it does need to end. And I do think that this is a good way of ending it. And I also hope that this is a sign of Hell in a Cell no longer being a pay-per-view anymore. Hell in a Cell should be a big deal when it's busted out. It shouldn't be a yearly thing. It should be something that is a special occasion when it's brought out. So I hope that that's what this is signaling. Now, lastly, on the topic of this opening, uh, there's the line Finn said where he said that hell couldn't handle his demons. So, of course, now everyone who was watching this is thinking... We might see the demon inside of Hell in a Cell. The return of the demon who we have not seen, I want to say, since that match with Roman Reigns, right? When he fell off the turnbuckle? I don't know. I'll, I don't have time to Google it. Hopefully I'm not wrong. I think that sounds right, though. I can't recall if we saw him post that. But um, I think if there's anyone who can make the demon, who can creatively make sure that the demon is handled in a way that is cool again... It's Triple H. Triple H is the one who helped kind of like 
you know, was the driving creative force behind it in NXT. And I think that he understands what makes the demon cool. Um, so I, I think, I think I'm guessing we're going to see the demon at WrestleMania. It just makes sense. Hell in a cell demon ending a feud, something different than what we've seen from them in the past. Uh, making the demon cool again with a win over an iconic wrestler like Edge would be a way of bringing the demon back in in a in a in a manner in which it makes the demon look strong rather than weak um, or just the same as Finn. Um, I think you know persevering inside of a Hell in a Cell match would be and defeating an, an icon in edge uh, would certainly be a good way to bring the demon back from the trenches of wherever he's gone uh, I, I I would definitely be into that I think we're gonna see the demon at WrestleMania okay let's move on let me take a swig of water here hold on a second okay so we had Excuse me. We had uh, Dominic and Damian Priest versus Johnny Gargano and Dexter Loomis. Dom tried to win the match with his feet on the ropes, but Candice, Candice pushed them off, causing Rhea to take her down with an electric chair drop on the barricade. Priest and Dom then teamed up on Dexter and seemed to have the win, but Gargano broke up the pin. Loomis then locked in his submission on Dominic, but Priest made a sneaky tag behind Dexter's back and hit the South of Heaven for the win. Um, solid match. Uh, I felt like, you know, I've kind of, I think I've lost a little interest in whatever they're trying to do with Dexter and Johnny right now because they haven't really had anything dedicated going on for them. But this was, um, I, I will say as a team, they obviously gel well together because they've been working together for so long. And I did like them as a team here. Um, but I'm just hoping Johnny is able to kind of shake the, the Dexter Loomis situation and get a chance to shine on his own as a singles competitor after WrestleMania. I know he's got a match in NXT WrestleMania weekend. Thought that was an interesting um, decision to make to have him go back to NXT. But since he's not going to be wrestling at WrestleMania anyways, it seemed, um, it, it really... It's, I guess it's a way of having him still work that weekend. And it's in a story with Grayson Waller, which um, does make sense based on the way he left NXT. It is actually worthy of WrestleMania weekend. And he is homies with Shawn Michaels. We know that. He talked about it on Out of Character. He's talked about it a lot. He is homies with Shawn Michaels. And he does care about NXT. So that Grayson Waller match... Should be a good one. Although, piece of me did kind of want to see Grayson Waller versus HBK. I'm not going to lie. Imagine how crazy it would have been <laughs> to, to see Shawn Michaels, the heartbreak kid on WrestleMania weekend. Mr. WrestleMania wrestling at TakeOver instead. It would have been interesting. It would have been interesting. Imagine if you if that had happened. You could have told yourself five years before that that Shawn Michaels would be wrestling at TakeOver. Uh, so a piece of me did kind of want to see that. But Johnny Gargano will be cool too, I guess. Uh, after that, footage was shown of Trish Stratus being attacked by damage control before the show. Uh, and then we got Brock Lesnar face-to-face -face with Omos. Uh, 
uh, Amos. As MVP began talking, Brock quickly interrupt, interrupted in a jovial mood and began to marvel at the size of Amos. Moss showed Brock that his fist is nearly the size of his face, uh, nearly the size of Brock's face, and then extended his hand out for a handshake. The crowd chanted Suplex City as Brock shook hands with the Nigerian giant. Uh, Amos refused to let go, though, so Brock tried to fight him, uh, but Amos got the upper hand by palming Lesnar over the top rope. A little awkward when it was happening, but it eventually happened, and Lesnar's jovial mood quickly wiped away as he asked someone to retrieve his cowboy hat while walking back up the ramp. Okay, so I'm sorry, haters. I'm sorry. I hate to say this to the haters because I know there are people out there who have been just massively hating on the idea of Amos versus Brock Lesnar, but I'm sorry, haters. Y'all are going to be eating your words after this match is over. I have a feeling this is going to be a fun spectacle of a match. Do I think it's going to be some five-star classic? No. It's going to be a, a monster fighting an even bigger monster. That's going to be awesome. Like Just when you see Brock Lesnar having to look up at Amos, you have to... A part of you get excited. Even you haters out there. The ones who have been hating on this match. I know when you saw that. A little a little thing inside of you tingled. Going, you know, the little kid in me would be excited for this. Because this is one of those things that you don't get to see every day. It's two huge beasts of men that are going to collide. Like a straight up Godzilla movie. And I, that, you, come on. How do you dislike that? How do you not want to watch a Godzilla movie? Do you not like Godzilla movies? If you don't like them, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Um, so yeah, I, I I actually think that this Brock Lesnar versus Moss match is going to be pretty freaking fun. I think it's going to be a spectacle. I think it's going to be one of those things you remember when Brock Lesnar was actually able to lift a Moss up. For an F5. That's going to be... Come on. That's going to be awesome. Just how do you not hear that and get a little excited for this? Hopefully you're not the hater who's listening to this. And this is the non-hater listening. And you agree with me. And you're like shaking your head like, yeah, man. And if you're one of the haters listening to this. And you're just shaking your head angrily like, come on, man. You're crazy. Just, Just wait. Just wait like a couple weeks. And then you come back to me, and if I was wrong, you call me out on it on social media, and I'll probably be sad. But still, do it, because it's only right. <laughs> Next, we had Cody Rhodes versus LA Knight. This was a match that allowed Cody to play all his hits, the disaster kick, the Cody cutter, and lastly, the crossroads to get the pin. After the match, Cody got on the mic saying he keeps being told to stay out of bloodline business but reiterated that he doesn't work for Heyman or the bloodline so he can do as he pleases. He also keeps being told to not make it personal, but it is personal. It's been personal since he first stepped foot in the ring at 21. It's personal when week after week I'm choking back tears with every sentence. It's personal when you wear a protective coat of honor. And I'm not talking about my robe. I'm talking about a tailored suit. And the reason I wear it is not because I think I'm somebody. It's because I want to be somebody. Man, I say this maybe every week now when Cody does these rah-rah speeches. But I'm just like, man, this is the guy 
who makes me want to run through a wall for him when I get when I hear these speeches and I'm just like, yeah, man, I want to be I want to be on your side. I want to I want to join you. Um, like I said, when he was on the show, he talked me into going to Chicago twice when I had never been there. Uh, so I, I mean, to me, this stuff is powerful. It's real. It's like he said on the show, it's not just a character. It's his real life. It's his real story. It's who he is. Um, and, and yeah, that is what he did when he left WWE. Uh, that is what he did. He put on the suit. He wanted to make himself become somebody. He didn't want to just be anybody. He wanted to be somebody. And in that time that passed from then to now, he has actually done that. And now he's on the precipice of finishing that story. He's, he's about to, in real life, finish that story. And you hear this stuff and you're just like, man, it's powerful. It's real. It's real. It's fiction. It's pro wrestling. It's violent. It's entertaining. It's fantastic. And I love watching this stuff. And it gets me so hyped. When you hear someone talking about this kind of stuff and you're just like, man, that guy's got to win. Because we've talked about for so long in wrestling, there aren't enough baby faces. Enough people that you can get behind. You know, that the masses can all agree that's the guy. And I, and I, and yeah, no, do I think, of course, I know Cody has his, his detractors. People who don't necessarily uh, get behind it. But I just believe that. It's someone who, it's one of the first guys in a long time where there's a universal agreement that he could be the guy. We don't get guys like that very often. To see that be someone who had to leave and follow his dream and go change who he is to become somebody, as he said, it's freaking cool, man. It's freaking, uh, I don't know, I'm a big fan of it. Uh, So then Cody said, I acknowledge you, damn it. You need to acknowledge me. He said he's grew up. He grew up thinking he was a prince in this industry, but he's got no crown. And on April 2nd, when the sun goes down on Hollywood, it's going down on Roman Reigns' generational run. On April 2nd, I become the first Rhodes to say they're undisputed universal champion. So while I was watching this, I tweeted. um, (laughs) I tweeted. I said, uh, Triple H keeping himself off camera regularly. Yeah. Triple H keeping himself off camera regularly has been good, but once Cody wins the titles at Mania, I'd love to see Triple H reappear as a heel authority figure who splits them up and takes one belt from Cody. Even if Hunter can't wrestle, a feud between the two makes a lot of sense. And then someone said, what's the payoff if Triple H can't be touched? I said the title's being split up again to help both shows. And Triple H setting up obstacles for Cody to continue overcoming during his first reign as champion. That way there's an immediate story arc rather than a string of random feuds and challengers. There's major potential here, in my opinion. Obviously because of the fact that Cody uh, iconically in in wrestling uh, took that sledgehammer to a throne in, in a rival company to send a shot to the other side. And now that guy's his boss. And I'm sorry if you think that my my idea here is too reminiscent of Austin and McMahon. But, I mean, I do feel like there are shades here where it could be Austin McMahon for a new generation. You know, I I, I just, you know, before, 
when Triple H was doing this with Daniel Bryan, B plus player, and Stephanie McMahon, and all that kind of stuff, um, we knew that he was doing it for a greater power who believed that. But I do think this is a bit of a different wrinkle because Triple H, you know, you can easily convince the audience that even if he says nice things about, even if he has said nice things about him in press conferences, I think you can easily convince the audience that he hates Cody Rhodes. He drove Cody Rhodes away because he didn't think he was the guy. Now he's come back and he takes one title away from him because, you know, SmackDown needs a title and you just, you're just not the guy. You're not Roman Reigns. You know, you're, you know, there's a reason we didn't think you were the guy then. And yeah, sure, you got lucky at WrestleMania. But now I have someone who I think is actually a true champion, someone who didn't even lose their title at WrestleMania, and he brings out Gunther, and Gunther becomes one of his kind of like first obstacles for Cody to go through. And I think that if you set up that Triple H is continually trying to set up these obstacles for Cody along the way, it there's a there's an arc there. It gives you a reason to have some of these people continually challenging for him rather than like, oh, I just think I'm better than Cody. Um, you can just keep having him set up all these obstacles. And the payoff, ultimately, in the end, doesn't have to be a match. The payoff can actually be opposite of Austin McMahon. That Triple H actually, or actually, excuse me, that Cody Rhodes actually earns the respect of Triple H in all of this. Triple H realizes he was wrong about Cody Rhodes, that Cody Rhodes is the guy, and he's a guy that he can have he can put the company on his shoulders. You can go the opposite direction with it where even even Cody is able to convince Triple H, the guy who he's been throwing shots at since he the guy he had been throwing shots at since he left, uh, if you can even convince him that he is the guy now, I think there's a good story there. So, um I don't know. That's what I've been thinking about in in looking at this whole story. I also think it's the only way to get the title split up because why would someone win a title and then just say they don't want it? That doesn't make any freaking sense whatsoever. He even said in this thing he wants to be the first Rhodes to say they're undisputed universal champion. So how do you make the audience angry is by having Triple H say, yeah, no, you're not the guy. You, you did it, but good, good job. But we, we're splitting those titles up now. Sorry. Sorry. And then you're off to the races. All right, next we had Seth Rollins reacting to Logan Paul's sucker punch last week. Rollins said that Logan was acting like he won the lottery, but you can't keep him down that easily. Miz interrupted the interview saying Seth is just jealous. He got knocked cold last week, and now he's lost control of the narrative. He also said next week Logan Paul will be doing a live impulsive on the show, and he'll be the guest. Corbin walks into frame, tries to be Miz's co-host at WrestleMania, but gets shot down. So then he tries to say he can help Seth with his boxing skills. And he's got a background and, and, and has golden gloves. But Rollins denies him too, saying that he would rather take boxing lessons from his baby daughter. And Corbin had a line here that just cracked me up. He said, your daughter is two and a half. She doesn't know anything. <laughs> so then Corbin challenges Seth to a match. And it's made official for later. I'm enjoying the slow descent into Bum Corbin again. I think that was the smart way to go here. The JBL stuff didn't seem to be clicking. 
And I think that this is already much more entertaining as watching his slow demise into Bum Corbin again. So we got Elias with a note taking Rick Boogs against Bronson Reed. Um, Bronson immediately takes control and didn't really lose it after that. Eventually hits, uh, goes to the top rope and lands a tsunami splash for the win. Not a lot to really analyze here, uh, but but um, I mean, good way to look, make Bronson look um, dominant. Just not loving this Rick Boogs Elias thing yet. I'm guessing this is going to be the thing that finally makes Elias turn heel again. He's been kind of a more of a babyface since coming back, uh, but uh, jury's still out on what I think on this story. So far, I have not been blown away by it. Chad Gable continued to look for Otis backstage while Becky and Lita ignored Kathy Kelly walking while they were walking into the building, and then after that. Kathy did get a chance to speak with Kevin Owens about Sami Zayn. Kevin says he did ask for Sami's help for a long time and didn't get it, so it's not that hard to figure out why he wouldn't want to fight alongside him now. Kevin also says if Cody wants to help Sami, that's his problem, but he doesn't want or need his help, so he doesn't want to see him out there tonight helping him out. I want to fight them on my own like I've been doing, and I'm perfectly fine with that. So that explains the conversation that we saw Kevin Owens and Cody having last week in the background of the show. It did seem to be a spirited conversation, as I had alluded to previously. Now that explains what they were talking about. Cody trying to be peacemaker to Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, while also trying to make uh, you know an ally in the fight against the bloodline, but not working. Kevin Owens... D-T-A. Um, two weeks to WrestleMania, so I'm genuinely um, interested to see how this turns into a match. Um, I So far, th- there's been no indication that Kevin Owens wants to team with Sami Zayn. So what length does the bloodline have to go to make, to make Kevin Owens change his mind? I'm wondering about that. There's two that there's two things that are like hanging where I'm like what has to be done to make to, you know push this person over the edge um, and th- this is certainly one of them. Kevin Owens seems very steadfast in his decision to not be co- not be homies with Sami Zayn anymore nor team up with him. So how do we get there? How do we get there? I don't got the answer. I know that's my job. I know, okay, I just, I'm going through a lot right now, okay? I'm dealing with two losses, and I'm trying my best to keep it all together here, and nothing comes to mind, so give me a break. But we'll get there. We'll see. We're going to have to watch. I can't figure it all out, okay? I try my best. I try my best. Thank you. You know what? I heard you. I Thank you. I'm glad you said that back to me in your car or while working out or while cooking. I hope someone heard you say it back to me, too. Because it, it meant a lot to me. Thank you. <laughs> let's, t- let's take a quick commercial break. And I'll be back with my thoughts on the rest of this week's Raw in just a second. Following that interview with Kevin Owens, we got footage shown earlier in the day from earlier in the day 
where the Street Profits were clowning on Austin Theory backstage. Theory retorts that they'll probably both be unemployed soon while he has a match against John Cena at WrestleMania. Theory asks which of them is tougher between the two and says he thinks it's Angelo Dawkins, not Montez. Montez is just a joke, and he falls flat on his face every time he's given an opportunity, unlike Theory himself, who always thrives when given a chance to shine. Dawkins then challenged Theory to a match later, and Theory accepted while laughing, walking away after asking what they're both doing at WrestleMania. Oh yeah, nothing. So then we got Austin Theory versus Angelo Dawkins. This was a back-and-forth match that saw Theory eventually get the win with A-Town down. After the match, Theory locked in an STF on Dawkins until Montez made the save. And that was that for this segment. I'm already noticing a boost of confidence in Theory. In the time between, what, you know, when Vince left and now, no, a couple weeks ago before the John Cena thing, um, I actually kind of agreed with what John Cena was saying, that Theory was still looking like he was finding himself, like he didn't know uh, if he was confident in this persona um, or if he needed something else. And when I was watching him in this backstage segment and in the match, I was thinking to myself, he doesn't look like he's searching for himself anymore. He looks like he's found himself. He looks... Like a guy who's getting the thing that he always wanted and realizing that he did good, that he found who he is, that he's gotten there, that he's accomplished his goals, that he has done everything that he wanted to do. Not, I shouldn't say everything, but he's gotten that dream match. He's gotten the match against the guy who is not only just the goat, one of the goats, excuse me, one of the goats, um, but also a guy who is his idol, the guy he got into the business for. And now he gets a match with him at WrestleMania for the title that he holds. That's huge. Especially when that title is technically the top title on Monday Night Raw. Technically, since we don't really get Roman there very often. So, it's a pretty big deal. And I noticed a boost in confidence in theory in the way he talked backstage, and the way he presented himself in his entrance, and the way he wrestled the match. He looked like a guy who knows that he has the biggest match of his life coming up ahead, and that it's make or break, and he is ready to make, not break. Well, I guess saying he's ready to make sounds like he has to poop, huh? Sorry. Yeah, I didn't mean to say he. I don't think he's going to poop at WrestleMania. <laughs> I think he's ready to do a good job at WrestleMania. Also, uh, on this, um, Montez Ford is 100% the guy who should beat Theory for the title post-WrestleMania. So it's good to see them slowly building towards that already. Uh, Montez Ford, I think, excuse me, I think after WrestleMania, you know, you need to get Theory in a world title hunt in, in the not-too-distant future at, at some point. If, if he beats John Cena at WrestleMania, and we do have a world champion on Raw in Cody, um, I think you eventually are going to have to go the, the route of Austin Theory and Cody Rhodes in a, in a title feud. And he'd need to drop the United States title before that. And when that happens, 
I do think it, I, 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 in the next few months after WrestleMania, I do think Montez Ford should beat Austin Theory for the United States title. Austin Theory elevated himself with that United States title these last few months. Um, but I believe that Montez Ford has the same uh, potential within him. And I think that the United States Championship once the... I keep saying once like it's inevitable, but I do think it's inevitable that Cody beats Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. And I think that um, then it will become a secondary title on Raw again. And it would be good for someone who needs to elevate their status to be holding that title. And then you can kind of make Theory strong as, as a main eventer or against guys of that stature even more than he already is. So... Um, yeah, Ford is 100% the guy, so I like the seeds being planted in the future for that. They've kind of been doing that the past few weeks, and I think it's smart. Next, Heyman talks about Kevin Owens and Cody Rhodes with Kathy Kelly. He also says Roman will be on the show next week, and Cody will acknowledge the Tribal Chief with respect for real. Then we got Rey Mysterio out to talk about um, his Hall of Fame induction and said it feels good to be back on Raw. Talks about how this is an award for all of us. But, of course, he's interrupted by Dominic. Dom says, Ray earned this honor at at the expense of his own children. You chose all of these strangers instead of being there for your kids. He says, eighth grade promotion. You said you'd take me out if I got good grades. But when it happened, you were nowhere to be found. You ditched me for WrestleMania. And then he... <laughs> this was just... The absolute best line. He said, uh, I turned 16, and you said you were going to get me a new car, and then all my friends showed up with brand new Mercedes, and you got me a BMW? <laughs> that was... <laughs> I I was not expecting that, because the other one was mean about 8th grade promotion. You're like, damn, well, that's shady. And then you get to this part, and you're like, wait, what'd you just say? I want to slap you so hard. Now you know why Michael Cole... Is such a Dom hater. He's like, man, this kid had a BMW, and he's talking about his dad didn't care. Uh, Dominic then challenged Ray to a match at WrestleMania, but Ray said no. Whether you believe it or not, I still love you, son, and always will. Dom then says, the only thing you taught me is what not to be as a dejected Ray walked to the back. Okay, so I was talking about this match with someone, and something they said to me has definitely... Um, made me feel the same way now at this point. And and that is, what is Dom going to have to do to make Ray accept? You know, I think that, I think I, I talked about already on here that it seemed like a, an inevitable thing for Dom to interrupt the Hall of Fame ceremony. And then, you know, that's what finally is the final straw but as I watch this, like, he's been so damn disrespectful. I almost think that it's not enough of a final straw. Um, he's got to do something even worse at the Hall of Fame ceremony, right? Like, so far, he's been kind of a dick to his dad already. Excuse my language. Um, he's kind of been mean to his dad, uh, and it's not working. I don't know if just bombing the Hall of Fame ceremony from a storyline standpoint is enough to get Ray to finally accept. I keep thinking, like, what is he going to have to do? 
it's going to have to be something with, like, the mom and the daughter. But, I mean, are, are they going to go that far? <laughs> are they going to have Dom act like he's going to beat up Aaliyah? Or, or the mom? Mama, Mama Mysterio? Is that is that is that going to be a thing? At the Hall of Fame ceremony, he's going to, like, pull, like, one of those movie villain things where they're, like, hanging from the top of the ceiling and... And they, they're on like a like a plank on the top of the ceiling, and and they're gonna have to walk the plank or something. If, uh, if if he says no, I don't know. It's like it makes. I, I he's gonna have to. Dom's gonna have to do something. He's gonna have to like lock Ray up in jail. That wouldn't make sense either. I don't know. I'm really torn here. I mean, I really just thought that Dom was going to interrupt the Hall of Fame ceremony, but the more this happens and the more Ray refuses, the more I think that a Hall of Fame interruption isn't even enough. I do think he's going to interrupt the Hall of Fame. Excuse me. But, yeah, I think that he's going to have to take it a step further. What that step is, I'm not sure. He's going to have to... Yeah, I don't know. It's not coming to me. I've been thinking about it. I, 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 it does not immediately come to mind. Um, but I think at this point, he's going to have to step things up. That's for damn sure. Then we got Trish Stratus, Becky, and Lita saying they're pissed as they go off looking for damage control. Uh, we got Baron Corbin versus Seth Rollins. The finish saw Seth use Miz. As a step stool to hit the stomp on Kerbin for Kerbin, st- <laughs> the stomp on Kerbin. <laughs> uh, the finish saw Seth use Miz as a step stool to hit the stomp on Corbin to get the win. I felt like that looked awesome. Very innovative way of doing that. Always cool to see it switch up and do a little bit different. Um, this was a fine match for what it wanted to accomplish. It's clear. Bum Corbin is making a comeback, and it gave Seth a win and route to Logan Paul at WrestleMania. No need to overcomplicate this one. Um, it was a solid match. Nothing wrong with it. Um, and it, it did the job to get these stories pushed forward. I'm good with that. Uh, Gable continued to look for Otis as Mustafa Ali approached him backstage. Mustafa Ali said Gable needs to be more positive, but then Chad overheard Otis taking some photos with maximum male models. The models explained that Gable is a troll, so he can't join them, and he's ugly. There was also some Vanderpump Rules reference that I unfortunately just did not get. Uh, I I watch a lot of trash reality television shows. Well, I shouldn't say a lot, but I watch the good ones. I watch... I'm a known watcher of trash content on television at times. I, I, I enjoy it at times. Um, Nine Day Fiance. Great show. My guilty pleasure. Uh, but uh, I don't watch Vanderpump Rules, so I can't say that I got the Vanderpump Rules joke. Uh, but I did uh, get a kick out of this whole segment. Um, Otis eventually... Uh, Otis is eventually lured to join Maximum Male Models uh, as Gable looks on sadly, seeing him walk away. Now, first, I didn't even talk about how amazing the um, I how amazing Otis's look here was. He had like the Oakleys on and like his spiked up hair, 
and just next level look for Otis or I should say Otis excuse me uh so I uh I enjoyed this. I I I I I'm I really want to know where this maximum male models thing is going with Otis. So far it's been super fun. Um Otis is great at comedy stuff. And the maximum male models are a fun group, man. Like I I think Maxine Dupree is gonna is gonna be someone that we see in WWE for a while. Um she just seems to get it. She's got a great on-camera presence, fantastic comedic timing. Um, she's got the star look. Um, I I think she's great. And Masse is someone who was just like, he clearly has all the tools but was looking for the right character, and this seems to play to his strengths perfectly. And Mansoir, same. Funny guy. Um, who just wasn't really connecting as just like that, you know, as his normal self as a character. But as Mansois, he gets to be this outlandish thing. And it's great. It's entertaining. They they are dialed into these characters. And I'm, I'm happy to see them getting a storyline as we head towards WrestleMania. I don't know if we're getting Maximum Male Models versus the Alpha Academy um, but right now, I'm, I'm enjoying watching how this unfolds. Otis slowly becoming one of the maximum male models. Uh, then we got Bianca Belair versus Chelsea Green with Carmella. I thought this was a really good showing for Chelsea Green, who got a surprising amount of offense in against the champion due to help from Carmella. Bianca eventually hit the KOD, though, to get the win. Carmella and Chelsea teamed up on Bianca after the match until Asuka made the save to even things out. Bianca and Asuka teamed up on Chelsea and dumped her out of the ring. Asuka then picked up the title and teased, taking it from Bianca by dancing around the ring with it. Before handing the title off, she began laughing and the mist started spilling out of her mouth. She then dropped the title back on the ground while laughing hysterically as Bianca seemed very annoyed at all of this. So as for the match itself, Chelsea Green versus Bianca Belair, like I said, um, I was surprised at the amount of offense that she got in against the champion. But I think it's very promising for how they view her, for how they view this new team with Carmella. It wasn't just uh, a quick squash. Instead, they were able to work together to help enhance uh, Chelsea Green in the ring. And I th- and 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 because of that, um I do think this team has some potential here. Um Carmella need, you know, I think that Carmella is really good when she plays off of other people, like I was saying last week. Um, but now that we're seeing her as the 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 one outside the ring, I mean, I don't know how often they're going to do that, but I quite liked Carmella almost being a manager for Chelsea of sorts and helping her gain advantages. I, I, I liked it. I thought that um, it made both of them look good good and strong and ultimately Bianca Belair overcoming them both 
make her even stronger looking as she heads into WrestleMania. I just continue. I continue just to have this. I don't know. I don't know why I'm not liking the build to Bianca and Asuka. I'd like you guys to tweet me. If you're listening to this, my Twitter handle is at Ryan Satin. If you're listening to this and you like this build, let me know. Tweet me. Because I just feel so unfulfilled from it. I keep feeling like we're getting the same thing from it. I like Is this really mind games? Is it? I don't know. She just looked like mildly annoyed, Bianca Belair. It's not like she looked like someone had gotten in her head. She just looked like annoyed at this girl who's spilling blue ink out of her mouth. And Asuka looks so badass. Uh, I'm loving the change of look that she's not in the giant robe, that she's got this like real killer vibe, uh, very scary vibe. <coughs> but... There's just, there's the build. There's just no real <coughs> story happening. And I feel like there could be. We've seen Asuka in plenty of stories. I'm just not feeling the same, like, <sighs> coughing, I'm yawning. Listen to me. I'm a mess over here. Um, I'm just not feeling that same excitement that I should from a match of this magnitude. I'm much more excited right now for Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair, um, just based off of builds alone. Um, and that's mainly because Rhea Ripley um, is the Royal Rumble winner, and I'm always a fan of following that Royal Rumble winner story. Um, but... Kind of like I was saying before, I just think the the two women's title views need a little bit of extra juice these next two weeks. Not blue juice coming out of her mouth like like we've seen in Asuka. Main event time, we got Solo Sokoa versus Kevin Owens in a street fight. In this final stretch of the match, Owens threw a bunch of chairs in the ring and they got set up in front of the top rope. Solo then tossed Owens from the top rope onto them in a painful looking spot. The fight spilled to the outside after this, and they started brawling in the crowd. This led the fight to Gorilla, where the Usos were laying in wait, lying in wait. I think that's the actual way of saying it. Lying in wait with stereo super kicks. They then dragged Kevin to the ring, and they all teamed up on him, allowing Solo to hit the Samoan spike after this to get the win. And then after the match, we could see Kevin Owens throwing up on the ring mat as the show came to a close. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, take my last swig of water here. Hold on. I'm trying to stop myself. I'm trying to stop myself from coughing in your ear these last few minutes of the podcast. Um, my thoughts on this. Um, I guess my only real thoughts on this. Uh, the match was fine. Um, you know the the spot looked good. You could tell Kevin Owens. You know, he's he's making you believe this character is willing to do anything to fight these guys. Um, so I actually, <laughs> because he went so hard to bat for nobody helping him in the main event, I thought, oh, okay, well, someone's going to help him. Still, they're both going to help him. And, you know, uh, but I kind of laughed that neither of them helped him at this point. I was like, okay, fine. All right, fine, Kevin. You don't want either our help, fine. You don't want to help. You don't want to help from Sammy. You don't want help from us, fine. 
You're just going to get the absolute crap kicked out of you by three people, get your throat caved in, and you're going to have to lay there and deal with the consequences of your own actions. Uh, very uh, real life there. People dealing with the realities, excuse me, with the consequences of their own actions. That's Kevin Owens, a guy who can't just take the freaking help from two guys who clearly are aligned in his thoughts. Just take the freaking help, Kevin. Just take the freaking help. I'm guessing that's next week. It can't be much longer. <laughs> Maybe two weeks from now. I don't know. I think they want to announce this card as, as you'd want to announce some of these matches ahead of time uh, for people buying the pay per view from home. So um, I think they. It's got to be next week. I don't know what happens here, um, but something's got to happen. To get Kevin to finally give in. This could be the thing, I guess, where he just finally has to realize, like, okay, I don't want to get my throat caved in because I'm so stubborn. So let's just all work together. Let's all be friends. Cana French Canadian friends and our American flag loving homie. Uh, it, let, let him do it. We, we, we got to be getting there next week. That's my guess. And then the go home. Uh, no, I don't know. Yeah, that's my guess, though. Next week. Don't hold me to it, though. Okay, I am done here. Make sure you follow WWE on Fox on social media, at WWE on Fox on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Also, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast feed if you're not already, but if you are, also hook it up with a rating or a review, depending on which platform you're listening on. I tend to read the best ones on this show. I read the worst ones too, but I'm not going to read those back to you, even if they make me mad. Uh, the show is called Out of Character with Ryan Satin, though, which is why I talk about myself sometimes. Okay, moving on. Uh, also, go subscribe to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. That's where you can find clips from Raw, clips from SmackDown. You can find Out of Character every Wednesday. This week, we've got, I think, I'm just going to tell you, if you've listened this long, just don't make a big thing of it, but we got Karrion Cross on the show this week for episode 99, got Karrion Cross. we'll probably announce it during the afternoon, so I'm not going to get in trouble for saying it here to you, the loyal listener, and rewarding you for listening all this time, all 51 minutes of me speaking so far plus commercial time which i don't know the exact amount of time and what i should add in to make that actual act an actual correct number but what i do know is that you should subscribe to the wwe on fox youtube channel make sure you're subscribed to this podcast feed and uh yeah Stay tuned for an announcement soon on episode 100. All right, that's it. I'm done. Officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this has been the WWE on Fox Raw Roundup.